Welcome to the Movie Planet. This week, we're talking about 1983's Star Wars Episode VI, Return of the Jedi. With Joe. Welcome and Skywalker. I have been expecting you. And JC. I'm looking forward to completing your trip. In time, you will call me Master. And Joel. I'll never turn to the dark side. You failed, Your Highness. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. I'm your host, Joe, and with me is the Emperor to my Luke Skywalker, JC. You know, I've been the bad guy for every... Oh, I no. was the Imperial at one point. At one point. Yeah. Every other time, I'm the fucking... Oh. Well, <laughs> joining us is Darth Vader, Joel. I love how he didn't. Yeah, but Darth Vader's cool. You all, keep... Darth Vader's a pussy in Return of the Jedi. Hey. Well, but he's. Oh, I don't mean you are. Hey. He, he, <laughs> he, he's getting his feels on, man. He, he's re- getting re in touch with his feels. I try to choose somebody for Joel that's in between two forces. Because he is a middle child. He's in between the Emperor's <laughs> force. He's in between the Luke's force. So he's got to choose one side or the other. The question is, is, is your Schwartz as big as my Schwartz? Well, it turns out he's going to side with you because <laughs> you are Darth Vader, right? That's true. Oh, no, you're the Emperor. You're, oh, I'm no, the emperor. he sides with me. Can you not even remember <laughs> your own f***ing in, in, intro? Good Lord. I'll agree you with, wrote the damn I'll thing. agree with you in the I'll agree with JC in the beginning and then Joe towards the end of the movie. <laughs> so that? he continues to be the middle child. <laughs> there, we there you go. Just like Darth Vader. Yes. Somehow you keep giving me more powerful people as the series goes on. And yeah, I, I remember you were like, and he also just got, every time. We also just gave him more responsibility. Yes. <laughs> with yeah. with great power comes great responsibility. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, let's go to a galaxy far, far away and talk some Yay. Return of the Jedi. Yeah. The Emperor has been expecting you. I know, Father. So, you have accepted the truth. I've accepted the truth that you were once Anakin Skywalker, my father. That name no longer has any meaning for me. It is the name of your true self you've only forgotten. I know there is good in you. The Emperor hasn't driven it from you fully. That was why you couldn't destroy me. That's why you won't bring me to your Emperor now. I see you have constructed a new lightsaber. Your skills are complete. Indeed, you are powerful, as the Emperor has foreseen. Obi-Wan once thought as you do. You don't know the power of the dark side. I must obey my master. I will not turn, and you'll be forced to kill me. 
If that is your destiny... Suit your feeling, Father. You can't do this. I feel the conflict within you. Let go of your hate. It is too late for me, son. The Emperor will show you the true nature of the Force. He is your master now. My father is truly dead. This week we are discussing 1983's Star Wars Episode 6, Return of the Jedi, written by Lawrence Kasdan and George Lucas, and directed by Richard Marquand, with George Lucas hanging on the back, doing whatever he wants. Starring Mark Hamill. Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Billy D. Williams, Anthony Daniels, Peter Mayhew, Ian McDermott, Frank Oz, Alec Guinness, Kenny Baker, and James Earl Jones as The Voice, David Prowse as The Body, Bob Anderson for The Stunts, and Sebastian Shaw for The Face of Darth Vader. Ah, I did know that, because I knew about Shaw. I forgot about Bob Anderson, because he's real prominent in Lord of the Rings, Mm -hmm. and I forgot he did all the fencing stuff. Yeah. Oh, Oh, and Warwick Davis as Wicket. Willow. Willow's in this movie. Yay. Yeah. A young... I think he was like nine or ten at the time, wasn't he? No, dude. He was like 15 or 16. 17, 18, maybe? He was just a kid. He was just a kid, but damn, dude. Oh, sorry. (laughs) A little trivia. The movie made... Or was made for about $32 million and raked in 572. Nice. Yeah, made about 30 million more than Empire. These are... Because it's better than Empire. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it starts. <laughs> when That's why they stopped making movies for a while. Like, oh. <laughs> when when Leia gets wounded at the bunker, if you look closely, you can spot Han Solo accidentally grab her tit before immediately correcting himself. <laughs> well, they were familiar with each other. Uh, the Emperor's chair was mechanized so that it could rotate when the scene called for it. However, the mechanism never worked properly, so Ian McDermott had to make it move by shuffling his feet. <laughs> I, you know, I actually thought I saw that in one scene. I mean, I may be making that up, but I'm like, I remember when I was watching it this morning, I'm like, wait a second, he just... Yeah. (laughs) According to Ian McDermott, George Lucas originally casted him simply as the physical performance of the Emperor. This became evident to him when a producer told him that if he was able to get his voice close enough to Clive Reville's, who did the first one... Yeah, did Empire. Lucas would let him use his on-camera vocals in the final cut of the film. However, McDermott felt he could conduct a stronger, more wicked and demonic voice for the emperor, as opposed to Revel's more aristocratic emperor. Lucas and even Steven Spielberg were so impressed with his take that it ended up being the signature trait of the character. Yeah, I I think McDermott did great. It, It messes with my head sometimes to remember McDermott did six and then was hired for the prequels. Yes. Like he had already done six and... I remember the first time I saw this, I'm like, oh, they, they changed that actor, too. And then somebody had to remind me, no, that was the original actor. And I'm like, oh, it was you that reminded yep. me. I was like, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, now we have our final bit of trivia, and it wouldn't be a proper original trilogy without a Carrie Fisher story. Of course. So here's a Carrie Fisher story about Return of the Jedi. Fisher tells Did she stri- mind having her tit grabbed? Fisher tells a story of how George Lucas asked her to come out to San Francisco to discuss the script for Return of the Jedi. When she arrived, he pulled out a picture of Leia in that iconic bikini, and she remarked, no, George. But seriously, no. (laughs) (laughs) The slave bikini chosen by Jabba the Hutt left her vulnerable to the occasional wardrobe malfunction, too. 
If I lay like this and she arches her back flat and it doesn't adhere, it is like plastic. So it is a problem here. And she points to her you know where. Yeah. Because if I lay down, it doesn't go with me. I didn't inform him, but I always thought if Boba Fett were of a mind, he could see all the way to Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Despite the slave bikini's unwieldiness, Fisher thinks the rumors that Disney may be phasing it out of future merchandise was absurd. There's so much bullshit about that, she says. There was this thing on Fox News about this father not being able to explain to his daughter what the outfit was. What? That my character was forced to put on that outfit against my will, and I took it off as soon as I could kill the guy who picked out the outfit? I had so much fun killing Jabba. They asked me if I wanted my stunt double to kill him, but I wanted to. I sawed his neck off with that chain. I really wanted to kill him. I have serious body dysmorphia issues, she says, but I must admit being somewhat proud looking back at those photos. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, I also was a little worried, and, and hopefully this doesn't make me come off as creepy considering the comment I'm going to make a little bit later about the metal bikini, <laughs> but I think if Disney tries to get rid of sex in Star Wars, they're ending some of the realism. It's sort of like why I had an issue with people were like, oh, well, Anakin can't have kids and all this stuff. Guys, sex is a real thing. Like, it's okay. It it's okay to talk about sex. It's fun. It's okay to talk about penises and breasts and things like that. It's not something to be embarrassed by. Varsity blues. And I know penis, 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 vagina, vagina, vagina. 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 <laughs> and 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 people are like, but they're kids' movies. I'm sorry, kids don't have these. I'm not teaching them what to do. I'm teaching them their reality. There's a difference. Like. If, if you really don't want them to be objectified, then don't make them something to hide. Don't make them something like... This time you have gone too far. We're, we're, not, we're not supposed <laughs> to talk about these things. That's what objectifies them. Right. So, yeah. Okay, get over, so... Get over yourself, Disney. Uh, hey, was this a movie you were looking forward to? Hell Jay, yeah. I'll start with JC. Hell yeah. Go for it. I was so excited. I love watching this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I get so excited. And it isn't just because of the metal bikini. I genuinely love the fight between Luke and Vader. Mm -hmm. I, I just love it. It's not it's not the Obi-Wan Anakin fight. I the Obi-Wan Anakin fight to me is well actually no, there's the Qui there's the Qui-Gon fight with Darth Maul. That's number one. Then Anakin, and then this one's number three. But this was the original one for me, and this was the first time like Oh, it's not just poking each other with a stick. It's like <laughs> full on actual like combat. This is cool. Joel? I was really excited to watch this. I was a little nervous because it was my favorite growing up. Yeah. And I was afraid that with some movies that you watch when you're a kid and you watch them when you're older, they're yeah. not what you remember them to be. Mm -hmm. But it was. It yeah. was. There was so much nostalgia with it, but also just so much good just watching it. You feel. And it looked, we talked about it before the show. It looked so good on Blu ray. It does look great on Blu ray. And I was surprised. I loved at it. How well it looked. It was crisp and clean. And how many things I forgot about the movie. Like, oh, I love that. And then something yeah. else happens. Like, I forgot about this part, too. And, I, and I'd watch parts of this movie, and I'd be like, you know what? Somebody's going to make fun of this. But I'm like, I like it. I can defend it. Like, it was okay. But maybe I think that's... This, I think this movie speaks to our inner children. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, as a kid, this was the most fun of the three. Right. Clearly. Yeah. And I learned a lot from Empire, but this is the silliness of Jedi I like. You yeah. Know? And I was looking forward to seeing this again. And being taken back to my childhood. And you, you know, happy. And, and, and just dealing with Muppets and Bears. Yeah. You know? And that's okay. That's that's okay. They're hot. I love how he's trying to be demeaning and he's trying to like I'm say not trying to that, be demeaning. that these are negative things by putting I'm it in my... I'm not saying they're negative things. Uh, this is my teacher voice when I speak to students because they're not too bright. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was serious about I all know. that. I know. <laughs> I love you, Joe. Uh, okay, so here we go. The opening crawl. 
uh, reveals that Han Solo's friends are engaged in the mission to rescue the smuggler from Jabba the Hutt, and that the Galactic Empire is building a new armored space station, which is even larger and more powerful than the first Death Star. Okay, so apparently one year has passed. Hold, hold up, you're jumping early. No, the opening is the is the shuttle going to the Death Star. The opening crawl is what I said. Oh, I'm sorry. I stopped talking to you. Don't you have the script in front of you? No, I'm looking at my notes. <laughs> I actually don't have the, I only have like so much screen space, so I have my notes from the movie, and I have Patrick's notes from the movie. That's okay. all I have up. So no, That's right, because I passed the buck earlier. I'm not, I'm not following <laughs> the script at all. Uh, so yeah, so we get this apparently takes one year after Empire. Lando and Chewie have just left to go rescue Han, right? Hold on, quick question, because I even wrote, like, how do we know how much time's passed? You just said one year. Yes. Does it say it in the opening crawl? It does not. So how do we know it's been a year? Well, we don't unless you ask somebody from Lucasfilm. So that's the... Okay, all right. Yeah. I, I always wondered that. Because I did write, I'm like, there seems to have been like a lot that's happened. Uh, How yeah. long? We'll, okay. we'll get okay. to the time issue here. Got it. Uh, near the forest moon of Endor, the new Death Star is being constructed in orbit, and a command star destroyer arrives and launches a shuttle with a fighter escort, a shuttle bearing the Dark Lord of the Sith. Fearing his arrival, the commander of the new Death Star informs Darth Vader that the station will be operational on schedule. But when Vader challenges this optimistic appraisal of the situation, the commander admits that he needs more men. Darth Vader, however, informs the commander that the Emperor will be arriving soon and that he is most displeased with the commander's lack of progress. Shaken, the commander commits to redoubling construction efforts. Vader, pleased, remarks, the Emperor is not as forgiving as I am. JC? All right, so a couple things. First off, from my perspective, was the lip syncing really off at the beginning? When you see the two pilots as they're flying in and they're talking, what, at least when I watched the Blu-ray edition, I'm like, that... No, there was a no. sound issue. <laughs> I'm like, that's... No, that's bad. <laughs> so I didn't know if that was an add-up, but we have one of Patrick's first comments. Oh, good. He, this is Patrick saying, I love that the commander assigned to greet Vader looks terrified, and he does. He genuinely is, like, pulling at his collar and stuff. He did an awesome acting job on his part there. And so that was Patrick's. My thing was, a whole parade just for Vader? Yeah, that makes sense. Also, his shield, like the, the face shield, is shinier in this opening than in any other. It's like, it's bright, mm -hmm. almost hard to look at, shiny. Yeah, they so, actually made a brand new helmet for I, this movie. I wondered, because it's just like, that looks completely clean. But if you look at the what you see in Rogue One in the trailers, they're using the old helmet in that one with the kind of red tinted eyes. Yeah. So I'm thinking that uh, that helmet just continues to evolve as he gets older and older. Older. Joel, Joel you had something to say? I love how... In the first movie we were talking about how they were not really afraid to step up to Vader and say, you were wrong about this, wrong about that. Mm -hmm. And now anywhere he arrives, they, they have are people lined up yeah. ready they for his arrival <laughs> to let him know you're, you're the king, king of the castle. Yeah, you don't want him to step off the plane and go, where's my welcoming party? What the fuck? <laughs> but, but why wasn't he doing that at the beginning? What, doing what? Like... When you read books like Lords of the Sith or when we talked about uh, episode four and all that, why wasn't that happening for Vader? Why was he this enigma that needed or did or do you need that progression through episodes four, five and six? Because or hell, epi from episodes three to six, does that time need to happen for people to respect Vader? Steve, Steve just texted me saying Jedi. <laughs> That's awesome. He's yes, waiting Steve. for it. By the way, I'm still mad. I didn't get a package, Steve. Just saying. <laughs> Wait, you did. Captain America was in it, remember? <laughs> that came off wrong. I didn't want your package. I just wanted a package. Sorry. I mean, uh, I'm sure you have a nice package, Steve, not to continue God. to make this awkward. <laughs> sure, it's brought to you by Steve's package. 
<laughs> Sponsorship coming. All right. In little squirts. Jedi Knight, Luke Skywalker, <laughs> Chewbacca, Lando Calrissian, Princess Leia Organa, <laughs> C-3PO, and R2-DT return to Tatooine to rescue Han Solo from the gangster Jabba the Hutt. Jesus Christ. It's like talking to a fucking group of children. <laughs> we had a mic fall over. Joel had his head down in his lap. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still laughing at that. That was funny. <laughs> I also can't believe I said that. <laughs> I promise. No, you're not. <laughs> Luke sends 3PO and R2-D2 to Jabba's desert palace to deliver a message. In a hologram projected by R2, Luke <sighs> offers to bargain with Jabba for Solo himself. If Jabba does not, he will be destroyed. Jabba laughs at him because, who the fuck is that? And refuses to give up his favorite decoration, Han, frozen in carbonite, who hangs on the wall in Jabba's court. The two droids are sent to EV-99's workshop where C-3PO is given the job of Jabba's translator and R2 will be a drink server on Jabba's sail barge. Okay, do you want to go into what Patrick has to say I was going to say, Patrick has a couple things about this. So he made one comment whenever C-3PO is uh, translating to Jabba. Uh, he says, R2 Daytoa and Patrick made the comment, shouldn't it have been R-Toa Daytoa? Why <laughs> is it he's only translating half of his name? So I thought that was funny. Um, <laughs> he Patrick thought it was hilarious when C-3PO turns to R2 after Luke's message and says, what did he say? <laughs> like that <laughs> is one, the wrong message. <laughs> that is one of the funnier moments that Anthony Daniels has. Yes. And the last one, he actually had a comment about the upcoming Han Solo movie. He said, I hope, that, I hope the Han Solo movie explains how Jabba can know Solo but not Lando and why the Huts don't find it suspicious that Chewie, Han, Lando all end up at their place at the same time. Not to mention Luke and Leia. Do they not keep up with current events or something on Tatooine? Yeah, I don't know. I got questions about that later, too. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, then we get arguably the pinnacle of this movie, the musical number in oh, Jabba's Palace. I have comments oh, on this. I've... Now, let's keep in mind here. The original one wasn't that great either. Okay, let's let's be honest. No, it wasn't it, that great. But it was either. a non-event. That's what I liked about the original was it was a non-event and you moved on. They turned it into a music video. Yeah, and oh. yeah. Uh, this and the celebration at the end are two changes that I still to this day don't like. Okay, I I like the ending one. I no, don't like this. one. I don't. Uh, at least I don't like the music. I don't like the music. I like that you see the rest of the galaxy. Yes, yes. I concede that point. Uh, but the musical number here. It's out of place, and the action with Jabba and his slave girl doesn't match the music that you're hearing this time like it did in the first time. I, I also, yeah, I can, everything you just said, I actually wrote in my notes. I, I said, like, this song doesn't even sound Star Warsy, nor does it match the mood or the, or the scene that we're in. Yeah. Do we know? And then I posed this question Do we even know what the music of Star Wars sounds like? Like, does. Naboo have this style of music? Does Tatooine have this style of music? Like, yeah. you're the musician. Like, I wonder if that's an avenue you want to see Star Wars go down. No, I don't want to. I don't, because music is always you, derivative of, the, of who's writing it. You don't want to have the music of Tatooine? No, a, a CD that we can all listen to as lullaby? No, it's just going to, it's going to be, it's sand. It gets who needs cha? I love this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You love this scene? I love it. No, you don't. I swear. Please tell me you're Do you love it I, ironically. Are you, I was going to say, are you doing this just to fuck with us? Because I'm no. now going complete straight face. You like this scene? You have failed me for the last time. Again, you have to remember <laughs> when I saw this movie, I was, I was a young I no, was a little I kid. Get, I'm, I'm trying to respect you. And but... so. <laughs> now, I'm <laughs> trying. <laughs> Dude, 
Am I, <laughs> am I saying that this scene necessarily needs to be in the movie? Can the movie go without it? Yes. It's like an adjective. You don't have to have it. Question. Did you see a version of Star Wars before this? Or has your viewing of Return only been with this scene? I've only seen it with this scene. There you go. Uh, then that's... I can def- I can understand that. You need... I don't even know if you can anymore because the only version I have is on VHS and I don't have a VCR. Yeah. If you can, you should YouTube and try to see it before. Because yeah. as much as Joe says it's crappy, I think it worked more before without the scene. Okay. Because it moves much smoother. Right. I it's, mean, yeah. the the cantina isn't the point of the scene. The point of the scene is to see Jabba kill somebody, so it's foreshadowing for what's going to happen earlier. So I felt like there was no point in having the musical number at all in the first place. Yeah. I think. With music and movies, it's always intentional in some way. Maybe they just made a mistake. Maybe it's not intentional. That's true. But I always think of any type of mob movie where somebody's just getting absolutely destroyed brutally to where it's just hard to watch. And they're playing like a very happy song in the background. Yeah. And so I'm like, this song does not fit this occasion. And that's what always turned my stomach. Did I just? Okay, no. I turned myself off. Am I turning myself off? It's Yeah, it's going in and out. Oh, there we go. That's what always got me about like Casino and Goodfellas. I, those are great movies, but when I watched them, that's what always made my stomach turn. I was like, oh, something doesn't fit. They're so lighthearted about what this situation actually is. It doesn't fit what it is that's happening. Yeah. And so maybe they're putting this in there to say, there's been time that has passed. It is this, as of right now, it is not the Jedi's movie. They have to regain their hold back, and that's the point of the movie. They have nothing. It's been a year. Han's gone. They, we have prisoners. Everyone's separated, and so now they have to come back together in Jabba's palace, and then they go from there, and that's where the Star Wars and everything picks back up. Because right yeah. now, the, everybody's disoriented, and they're not together anymore. So the movie, essentially, is not Star Wars right now. They've been broken up. Yeah. Ooh, bad point. Hold on, Try! Okay, disguised as a bounty hunter named Boosh, Leia arrives in Jabba's court with Chewbacca in cuffs. Now, my here, I got a question here. Didn't Lando and Chewie leave together? Yes. Why is Chewie arriving with Leia? Uh, unless they got there, and some something must have happened, and maybe a comic book will fix this. I wonder if something happened when they got there that Lando and Chewie were maybe scouting out the place, figuring out, or listening to the local news. Although, it's a Wookiee. Yeah. How does a Wookiee, being on Tatooine, not trip Jabba's radar? So I'm wondering... The, and also, how does the Millennium Falcon land anywhere on Tatooine without a hut knowing about it? Yep. Um, so I'm wondering if somehow the Millennium Falcon was up in space or somewhere else, and they split off. So as they get closer to Tatooine, they hatch the plan, Lando, you go down, you do your thing, infiltrate, and then they come back later. That's my excuse for it. No, I, I, get I, that. I, I think they left. I think they left together. But then, as they got closer to Tatooine, if the Millennium Falcon or Chewie, any Wookiee, shows up on that planet, Jabba's going to know about it. So they had to have known that. And so you get Lando going down first. That actually makes sense to me. If you watch these movies back to back, though, we have a continuity problem. We do. You're yeah, right. But again, we know that the years passed in between. It's not told to us. So. If you are a person who is super observant of this stuff, you're going to sit there going, that doesn't make any sense. They should have been there at the same time. Yeah. Okay. So you have to think about it. Yeah. She offers him to Jabba for a sizable bounty. After Leia dickers with Jabba over the amount and threatens him with a small thermal detonator. Which, but he's holding a thermal detonator. Which is a stupid plan because she would have blown up Han also. <laughs> Jabba happily agrees to pay, oh, impressed with the bounty hunter's nerve, and Chewbacca is imprisoned. Okay, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think... 
A, Leia was probably never going to actually do it, so you can say that was going to blow up Han, too. She wasn't actually going to do it. The point was to show she was badass and she didn't care about killing herself. Then why did she activate it? To show that she was badass and willing to do it. It's, it's a, but what if Jabba had bluff. called her bluff? Well, then, yeah. Okay, so... Well, that's the problem with any bluff. You have to go big... Or you don't do it. So my guess is she was never going to actually detonate it. You're splitting hairs here. It I'm, was it, it was it was a good move as far as a bluff goes, but the sheer definition of a bluff is it could not work. Okay. <laughs> Joel, anything you want to add here? Not here. All right. <laughs> uh, that night, Leia sneaks into Jabba's court and frees Han from the carbonite. Now, can we mention the fact that Leia, Leia sneaks around like Ray Charles walking around like uh, somebody else's house? I mean, oh, I, it is loud. When first of all, she's not hugging any corners. She's walking through lit doorways. Yeah. And then pretending to sneak behind walls, hits a winch. She can't see through her fucking mask. I was going to say, why didn't she take the mask off if she can't see? <laughs> yes. Like, I watched this, like, I know kids that sneak around better than this. Oh, yeah. Oh, that bothers the hell out. Every time I see that scene, it bothers me. Because I'm just like, fucking <laughs> kidding me? Plus, it. And the other bad thing about it is Leia's supposed to be a badass who has done something a time or two, and it makes her look not that bright. It yeah. makes her look like she's not as smart as we know she is. Uh, her and Solo are both captured by Jabba. Solo's imprisoned with Chewbacca, and Jabba keeps Leia on display in a metal bikini and chains. Now Luke is going to arrive in a few seconds here, so... You want to talk about anything we got here with Solo, Leia, Jabba, that whole little trio? So so Patrick made the comment, anybody else feel like the Jabba surprise whenever he discovers them is like the opening act to a Chuck E. Cheese play? Yep. I thought the Muppet Show, <laughs> the, the with Muppet the way show? that the curtains <laughs> go across. <laughs> um, uh, Han, the Han line about Luke barely being able to take care of himself is awesome, and I love that. We hug dogs and, and our animals, and it all of that is cheesy. But when Chewie is hugging on Han as soon as he comes in and sort of petting him and taking care of him, that just, I don't know, that warmed my heart a little bit. I'm like, oh, they're taking care of each other. He misses his Han. He hasn't had his Han for a while. And so he's like petting his head. It's all right, buddy. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Buddy. It's, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, Luke. Mm. Luke arrives with a final ultimatum to release Solo. Now, the last time we left Luke, he was a struggling Padawan who lost a hand. Now he's an uber-powerful Jedi. Who the f*** trained him? Yeah, I don't know. And it doesn't seem like a lot of time has passed here. According to the original trilogy, becoming powerful in the Force seems like something you can do in a couple months. Exactly. Anybody can do this. Yeah. If you're strong enough. You still need teaching. I, I, I agree with you. He has a routine to Yoda. I agree with he you. He can't get it from Obi. So who the hell's doing it? Well, if we follow the comic books, maybe he's going back to his holocron. But back then they weren't there. You're, I know, I know. Yeah. Back then they didn't exist. So this is something that the story group has maybe fixed since then. Mm-hmm. I will be honest, though. A Jedi force chokes? That's awesome. No, that's like, contradictory. I, I was going to say, like, part of me was like, oh, he just force choked. But he wait, he force choked. Which, yeah, and okay. <sighs> he walks in. He doesn't even talk. He just chokes two pigs with axes, walks in. Wow, every Gamorrean just got really offended. If messes with his, his I don't know, his aide, Bib Fortuna, <laughs> wakes up Jabba, who's like, you fucking idiot. He just played you again. You know, it's, he's a Jedi. Now, the Jedi have been extinct for a while. 
Why yeah. isn't Jabba surprised by this? Because my guess is who, and I know you're going to throw at me, but in the original trilogy, they wouldn't have known this. But you had, what, Grokkus the Hutt, who had all of this stuff? Mm-hmm. My guess is Jabba knows that Grokkus has all of this Jedi stuff. And so my guess is also that Jabba has heard of Luke before. Yeah, well, because he says, I, I told you not to admit him. Yeah. You know, but he also just saw him from the hologram. Yeah. So, in, okay. Let's give him my ear. Luke is sitting here talking. It says, Jabba again refuses and drops Luke through a trap door into the pit. Now, Luke goes for a blaster, doesn't he? Isn't he trying to yeah, grab some? Yes, he, yeah. try, he tries to force pull a blaster. Why not grab the fucking lightsaber out of R2's fucking head right there? Uh, I don't know. Why did I not go to the bathroom right now? Because I didn't have to. I, I, but he... <laughs> that's, that's a hard question to ask. What I kind of know. plan is this? You don't want to go all it in is? on your first hand. Yeah, this is like man. the Keystone Cops. No. Yeah, it is. Okay, we're going to send in Lando. Okay, and Lando's just working for him. Okay. Okay, we'll send in Chewie and Leia. They'll get captured, and then we'll hope that they're safe in the meantime. Then I'm going to come in. Luke Skywalker's going to come in. I'm going to bully my way into getting what I want. When that doesn't work, we'll all meet at the pit of Carcoon. And uh, when I do my little salute, R2, you'll be at the top of that sail barge. I want you to shoot that lightsaber in the air, and I'm going to land and grab it in my hand and take out everybody. What the f*** kind of plan is this? If I was late, I'd be like, uh, Luke, you, you don't get to plan anything anymore. <laughs> well, I'm sure it wasn't his first plan. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't want to get captured. <laughs> this plan is awful. I No, I think what this plan is is realistic. I think this plan is, hold on, because I actually didn't interrupt you that time. I didn't interrupt. I just gave a look. <laughs> what I think happened was he had the plan for them all to meet. And together they would try. It's, it's almost like stages. Lando, you try, okay? Then you will be set up. Leia, you try. And it's not to say that he didn't expect all of this to happen my guess is he's reacting to each stage it's not like he had this big grandiose plan and he knew that leia was going to get captured and put it in a metal bikini i think he then why plant the lightsaber in r2's head why yeah probably didn't expect that to happen probably because he didn't want to carry it around anyway or maybe he has multiple ones i don't know the point is he knew at some point he was going to go face to face with jabba Mm-hmm. And so by having that already planted, he knew that he could walk in without being searched, without it having been confiscated, which I know as I say this, he killed everybody walking in anyway. <laughs> yeah. So what was what was the big deal? There was no pat down. <laughs> but my point is to blatantly say this was horribly planned out, I think is unfair because I think where the realism comes in for me is it feels reactionary. It doesn't feel like it was a big grandiose plan from the get go. It feels like he's constantly reacting. And so for you to throw back, well, what about the thing about him planting in an R2? So maybe he planned for that one big thing. You're right. Maybe he didn't know that R2 was going to end up up there. I still think Luke could have gotten out of that situation without the lightsaber because we've seen him push people off. If he hadn't gotten the lightsaber, maybe he just turns around and does a force wave and pushes everybody off the barge. Now, I know the first time we've ever seen this movie, we don't know anything about force waves, but I'm just looking back. I don't think it's as moronic as you're making it out to be. Joel? Could it be that there was no plan and that he was just Jedi mind-tricking everyone and be like, well, this is what we're going to have to do. Not if you agree. (laughs) (laughs) This is what we're going to have to do. Not if you agree. (laughs) Same page. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. And then then Han's the only one that's like, 
we're dead. Luke's in charge? Because yeah. uh, that does make me chuckle. Every time Lana's like, well, what are, he's like, about normal. Oh, that bad, huh? Well, <laughs> All of Han's lines are Han great. Solo is just a walking punchline in this it's movie. It's the best. And it's hilarious. But that's the thing. He's just a walking punchline. He, he's there strictly to deliver jokes. That's, that's it. That's his character. He's supposed to be. He's the everyman he's character Hondo. in this, though. He's Hondo in, in uh, Rebels. He brought an entirely different audience to keep and continue to watch these movies and really get into these movies. No, he brought the Indiana Jones audience in. Yeah. He's more indie than Han Solo in this movie. Okay. The Han Solo from the first movie, uh, episode four, is different than this one. Well, things have happened. People change. Well, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Jabba refuses. Luke drops in the trap door into the pit, and we get the Rancor. Yep. Yeah. Stop motion that looks amazing. It does. It, I love I, the Rancor scene. I did not. Yeah, I'm not going to. Except when it looks projected. It looks awful on Blu-ray. It does look bad on Blu-ray. It looked That's great. That's when Blu-ray, it, Blu-ray it looked fails great when you have projection. on the VHS. It looked, I, I had that note. I'm like, this look, I remember this looking better on VHS. Yeah. Uh, same with, and we'll get the speeder bike thing, because that looks better on VHS also. Uh, Luke arrives. Okay, let's see here. Hold on. We skipped over the, the controversial thing I was going to bring up about Leia in the bikini. <laughs> oh, well, then go for it. <laughs> so Let's get controversial. <laughs> so so I, I made this comment that Leia is hot every time I see that bikini, and I feel bad because it was apparently very uncomfortable, and she stated the set guys could see everything, and you already sort of talked about mm-hmm. this. But let's be honest. Honest question here. Guys wanked off to Leia. (laughs) Let's just be honest there. It's a gold bikini. She's hot and she's beautiful and all of that stuff. And people wank off to movies. Here's the question I posed because I'm going to make everybody uncomfortable listening to this. (laughs) Are actors embarrassed or proud when they find out or they realize that they know that young boys or even young girls, let's be honest, I'm not going to genderify here, when they find out that young audiences are probably going to wank off Two said scenes and said movies. I think it depends on the person. Depends I, on the person. I think some people would be uncomfortable, and <laughs> I think some people will be like, eh, works for my ego. I think it depends on the person, but it also depends on the scene. Like, Carrie Fisher yeah. <laughs> did not go into the scene, them saying, hey, this is going to be a very sexual scene. No, you're people, right. It's not. It was a, you're going to be a prisoner, and then she's getting all these messages like, oh, my gosh. This is not what I expected to come from this scene. Nor yeah. and I, I don't think she wanted it. I think it, no. it, oh, she didn't want it to begin with, but it, she was it, like, "Hey, it's a paycheck." Yeah, I agree with that. But I think later on, because there there are stories and, and things like that about uh, her reading about some of the fan mail that she got and things like that, and it was just like, I wondered how uncomfortable does that make you as like a human being finding out that that's happening to you. I mean, I can't be in that situation because I'm a horrible-looking person. But it's just, it's, <laughs> it's a psychological, mental question that whenever I was watching this this time, I'm like, it just popped in my head. I'm like, what what the hell do people feel when they know that that probably happens? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Imagine if Twitter existed when this movie came out. Oh, oh my God, Christ. yeah. That's crazy what the memes would be. Gosh. Yeah. Uh so, okay. I love how it's just uncomfortable silence. Nobody actually answered the question other than like me and Joel. So jo- Joel has yet to say anything. <laughs> as Leia watches in horror, <laughs> she sees Lando disguised as a palace guard. He's going to end up cutting that whole thing out of the <laughs> After a brief battle, Luke defeats the Rancor, enraging Jabba, and apparently the Rancor's master who starts crying like a little bitch. Hold on. That okay. was sad. Yeah, and I agree. Oh, f- 
fuck me. Are you no, no, that was sad. And Patrick also had a good point. He, he plays a game called Ark Survival Evolved, which is a game built around raising animals and taking care of them and stuff. He said that he totally sympathizes with the poor Beastmaster who lost his precious Rancor baby. It deserved a better demise. And then sad face. So he was he was upset. Okay. <laughs> I... Joe just dismissed probably the the biggest supporting member outside of Steve of our audience. Just completely pushed him. I'm not dismissing him. It's an opinion. <laughs> it, it's you know. Funny. I'm glad. I'm glad we have people who have the feels out there for a gigantic beast that will kill people. It's not that. <laughs> Which funny. I've been playing. I know. Return of the Jedi on my computer while this is going, and we're on the Rancor scene, so we're making good time, I guess. <laughs> um, That's awesome. But mine isn't How so are much that. How you on your computer? It's called Wi-Fi. No, I just didn't know what he like downloaded it from. I don't know either. <laughs> um, <laughs> but my mine is not so much that all the killer beast is dead, because mm-hmm. I think we can all agree that that's what needed to happen for the movie to continue. It's just that in what we see at the end of the movie, spoilers, there is still like good in bad people. Like the guy cared for this terrible creature. And, so the, and is... the creature probably wasn't going to kill his owner. <laughs> we have spent way too long on a pointless scene. <laughs> so this is what he's actually going to cut out. Probably. <laughs> no, I'm not going okay. to cut okay. this out either. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, let's see. <laughs> he can't even Luke, Solo, and Chewbacca are going to be slowly consumed by the Sarlacc, a huge shark-toothed tentacled maw at the bottom of the Great Pit of Carcoon. The group is taken to the pit on Jabba's sail barge fleet and prepared for execution. Luke is the first. I guess he planned it that way. Pushed out onto a thin plank over the pit. Luke gives R2 a short salute. Good thing Luke, he got a job as a waitress and got you know the very top of the fucking sail barge. And a small object, Luke's new lightsaber, is launched into his hand. That's quite the aim for a kid that you know, or a robot that you know. He is all powerful, man. A he battle is the sole beast of the universe. A battle Super erupts penis. with Luke Super steadily penis. taking the fight to Jabba's men. During the battle, Leia strangles Jabba with a chain around her neck, and with R two D 2s help, escapes from her bonds, and he gets a you know poke at Salacious Crumb. Give <laughs> <laughs> a little electric shot to us. Lacey's A ridiculous looking Kermit the Frog puppet. Oh, 100%. that's a good yeah. analogy. I like that. Solo accidentally knocks Boba Fett into the Sarlacc pit because he's pointless. Do you have something to say? Oh, well, a couple. So, <laughs> pa- Patrick said, first off, nobody sees Luke lo- nod at Lando. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> And then he had he had a PSA. Patrick has a PSA for oh. all those kids out there. Kids, real talk for a minute. Being a little overweight is cool, but the reason why obesity is a problem is that someday you may have to defend yourself from a hot chick in a metal bikini. So learn a lesson from the demise of Jabba. Don't get too fat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Um, I, and the last thing he said that you said he knows he has something to say about this. I know Joe is probably excited to tear apart the whole Boba Fett demise, but seriously, f*** you, Joe. That was awesome to watch even as an adult. And no, Joe agrees I thought, with him. I agree. Yeah. You know, because he is a tertiary character. He doesn't matter. You know what? Let him go out like a bitch because he hasn't done dick in three movies. But as you bring up, if we look at this in the whole context, mm-hmm. you have a young clone boy mm-hmm. who didn't ask to be cloned. He is given a father. That father's head is taken off. 
The boy had nothing to do with that. He just watches his dad die. Then he lives the whole rest of his life doing the only thing he knows, and that is be a bounty hunter. And then his death is a thousand years of being uh, consumed. Con- consumed? Yep. Ha! <laughs> like, that's that sucks. Like, and I know it's almost Pick reality. Pick your professions, like, kids. Like, some, <laughs> some, some kids have shitty lives. They, he they could have been an educator. I... He chose bounty hunting, okay? Anyway, the point is, I feel like he was almost a lost character, because when you look at his whole life, like, there's not really a whole lot of positive that went on for this kid. No. He he was kind of doomed from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. He's almost worth not paying attention to. But uh, but he gets out of the Sarlacc pit, right? (laughs) Doesn't he get out of the Sarlacc pit? I want to know where Slave 1 goes. Oh, that wasn't a ship. Who gets that now? I don't know. Watto. Yeah, probably one. Much of he walks on it <laughs> <laughs> on a on a desert planet. <laughs> well, we got Wookies hanging out on the desert I know, planet. Apparently, I know, I know, I know. We had, who was the snow creature that we were like? What's he doing in the cantina? Oh, the uh, <laughs> talls. Yes. Why are the talls? And yeah, that was weird. So Lando is also thrown off one of the skiffs, hanging by a few cables. And I was wrong about this last week. I thought he was wearing the blue Han Solo pants. He is not. He's I, wearing... I wrote that. I yeah. own it. I was wrong. Calrissian's pants are white. His mm-hmm. his to- I I wrote his taupe is black. I mean his top is black. <laughs> Hanging by a few cables until he's rescued by, from the Sarlacc but itself by a blind Han and Chewbacca. There was another character in that scene where they're fighting on the the mini sail barge that was going to throw him into the pit. One of the guards is wearing a white shirt, blue pants, and red stripe, and it's not Han. Oh, okay, it's one of the other guards. So when I saw that, I'm like, that's I bet what Joe saw. No, because no. that it wasn't. That's a coincidence. Because <laughs> uh, because there is a whole other character that is not Han that is wearing that outfit. Yeah, so I thought it was interesting that they had two sets of that costume on screen at the same time. Uh, Luke, having found fought his way on a Jabba sail barge, has the escaping. Which, by the way, how does he swing if there's no overhang between the two barges? Oh man, ruin that! <laughs> you, you did just ruin that. I'm like shh. Because well, no one was looking at that. Everyone was looking at the girl in the bikini. Yes, that's exactly. That's that was Lucas' plan all along. That, they're all wondering, like, okay, she's swinging this way. Nope, didn't see. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there is the over, like the the canvas. Is that thing? Is that, that overhang is metal? It's not canvas. No, it is. So, but so it's it also may be far the, away from the skin. It may be the edge goes around. I can I can argue it a little bit. But how did a rope get there? Uh, was there a rope attaching the sail barge to the skiff? No, but now I need to fucking rewatch the scene because now yeah. that you pointed it out, I need to go figure it out and I'll find an answer uh, or make one up. He has Leia aim the deck cannon at the vehicle and sets it on automatic fire. The sail barge soon blows up. Our heroes manage to escape before it explodes, retrieve R2 and C-3PO and zip off into the desert. Luke flies off Tatooine and his X-Wing fighter and the rest of the band fly away in the Millennium Falcon to rendezvous with the Rebel fleet near Sullust. Can I just say that when they do swing off, that is the most awkward way to swing ever. Luke is holding it in his right hand. Leia jumps up to his right side Mm -hmm. and he is somehow holding her with his left hand and then like it's I even as I'm trying to reenact it right now, it's very hard like. I don't have enough hand strength to hold a person against the right side of my body with my left hand from coming across my body. And that, apparently- was, that was just awkward. And why didn't he just take it with his left hand and then hold her? And that would have made perfect fucking sense. Yeah. 
And also the the uh, you know the rope tends to change length all of a sudden because he's swinging downward, and so to get down there, he would match. He would hit maximum maximum velocity on that downward swing. We've all been and on a rope flown swing. right off the skiff. <laughs> Could it's the it, force, man. It's the force. Could it be that they filmed this entire scene with her wearing her like bounty honey gear? And they said, there are too many holes in this. What should we do? <laughs> <laughs> like a magic trick, you have to divert the eyes. And a, put her in a gold bikini. <laughs> the real reason for the gold bikini. Now, this scene's about 40 to 45 minutes long, right? This was a long opening yeah. act. It, in, in many ways, it's like a Bond movie in that it starts off, you're in the middle of something. And then you, and get, then the, you get to the actual point of the yeah. movie. Yeah. We're at, which, at Yoda right now, and it's 40 minutes. So, and here's the thing. If you cut this part out and you just put in the crawl after rescuing Han, this doesn't change the outcome of this movie whatsoever. It literally doesn't need to be there. It does give closure to the characters that they've told you about for these first two movies. And I think if you cut it out, people would be upset because literally the last thing you see at the end of Empire is Han... Gone. And to instantly start this movie with Han back. The last thing you see is Lando and Chewie reassuring Leia, we'll find him and get him. And then they go off. But how upset would people be if they didn't get to see that rescue? I don't think people would be upset. We're talking about hypotheticals. Plus, you well, hold on. But you say it's a throwaway scene. It does establish, as much as you've made fun of the plan and as much as you've made fun of the whole opening scene, it does establish that Luke's powers have grown. Okay, and so but- the scene is necessary to show that he has gotten more powerful. What else do we see that? We do not see Luke use his powers again exactly. until he levitates C-3PO. Exactly. That should have been the moment right there. It shouldn't no, have been here. here I don't No, because what that. you're doing, you're selling, you're selling one thing when it's the other. You're selling what? evil with his powers. Yeah, he's dressed oh. in black. He's choking people. That's what you're I selling here. I thought the black here. looked good. I know you thought the black slimming. looked good. It was slimming. No, I'm actually because I, I I flat out don't agree with you. So keep making your point because I'm well. If you know, because my point is that you could take the scene out, and it's not going to change the way that you see Luke later on when he does his levitation with C-3PO. Okay, there you go. When he's in the speeder, you don't, you don't know that he's you don't know he's ultra powerful because you've seen him levitate but that's the thing. before. He's not supposed to be, and we'll get to that in the Yoda situation in a second here because Yoda that's tells your own him opinion. Now you're throwing Yoda him. says he hasn't completed his. Training. You're right. I'm not. But then he says you've completed all the training you need. What the fuck is he talking about? He's Yoda. He doesn't make any fucking sense when he talks. This is the problem with this movie. This is why this movie is not as good as you think it is. For God's sake, that fucking sucks. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Luke is shown to be a badass in the this beginning scene, and that you is could erase it, and it doesn't no, change the movie. It does because it eliminates the fact that Luke has become powerful. If you just see him levitate, he, that's not power. You see him choke. Whether or not you agree with it or not, you see him choke. That is powerful. You see him controlling the lightsaber through the air, and you see him helping his friends and all that. That's all Luke and the Force. You need to see him be that badass. Uh, okay. A massive <laughs> fleet of fighters completely surrounds the boarding bays of the Death Star at the arrival. I'm just completely deflated at this point. I just... <laughs> I'm talking, with, I'm talking with somebody here who doesn't understand how plot structure works. Uh, as Red Guards slowly descend from the Imperial shuttle and flank its ramp, Vader and the Death Star commander kneel to their master, the last to enter the hangar. He insists that Lord Vader will soon capture Luke Skywalker, and Luke will learn of the dark side of the Force when brought before Palpatine himself. 
the emperor scenes are the best scenes in this they movie. They are. And what what makes me sad is and and watching this movie and this scene was another reason why I have now definitively decided my son is going to watch 4 5 6 1 2 3. No, here's why. Listen listen to my point. When you get the reveal of the emperor as he comes out of that shuttle, it is badass intimidating because you have never seen him other than that hologram. Mm -hmm. That's all you've seen. Right. Now, if you've seen him in the first three films, this reveal is nothing. This reveal is like, well, where the hell was he the last two films? Well, that's the thing. He's still alive and he's coming down that fucking ramp. No, but, but what I'm saying is if you start with four and you do four, five, six, and this is the first time that you see him, he is a badass motherfucker. And you are terrified and you're like... This this is the guy that Vader like Vader the ba the only badass you've seen to this point Vader is scared of this guy mm -hmm. and it just shows his badass them I I think if you watch the first three I I don't see if I don't think you're as intimidated by the Emperor I know that you can argue logistically but I'm thinking as a kid a kid is not going to be scared because oh I've already seen this guy and I know that Vader's gonna bow to him and all this stuff. But if you see him, it's that's your first interaction. The first time you see Vader and Emperor together, Vader is so much taller and he is cowering under this man. Mm -hmm. That is how powerful this guy is. That is a strong scene. And I agree, some of the best scenes, which is why if you want that effect, if you want that to come across, you need to watch it four, five, six, one, two, three. Yeah. And or you or you could watch it one, two, three, four, five, six, and you know, understand that. It doesn't matter how you watch it. It depends on what you're going to see perspective-wise on it. And that is, when I was younger, yeah, I saw him, and I was like, who's this old, who's this old guy? I, I don't know who it is. Oh, see, I, 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 well, I, I did think, who the hell is this old guy? But I was also like, I also remember being intimidated. I genuinely remember, like, when he came down, I'm like, oh, oh this guy's scary. And my thought was, Darth Vader's going to kick his ass because Darth Vader is so much more of a badass. But in this oh, movie, I, yeah, he isn't. I, I didn't get that. Joel? It, I'm actually, this has caused me to think a little bit. Um, <laughs> you're right, because you think Darth Vader could destroy him. Yeah. But it's like a father-son thing. The son is never going to step up to the father because he knows that even the bigger that he, even as the son gets bigger and the father gets smaller, there's still that respect and that fear there. Yeah. Honestly, I was watching the first three over again and paying more attention to the Emperor. And it was interesting to see that backstory before watching four, five, and six. Mm -hmm. But once you mentioned it, I do now remember wondering why this mysterious emperor was so powerful. So maybe it's not a how do you watch the six in order. It, in my opinion, it might just be best to do four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six. Because when you watch four, five, and six after watching the first three, you almost get a separate movie experience. So it's I agree good to with, see. I agree with that. That's a good point. So mm -hmm. I think it's good to see the original first, then see the build up, and then you watch the trilogy again. Because this is all kind of what I'm doing right now. Yeah. And then you get to watch the original ones that you had that you're where all of your memories started, and you see them in an entirely different light. Yeah, I I can I, I agree with that. I hear you. Luke returns to Dagobah to complete his Jedi training, but he finds Yoda is ill. He tells Luke that no further training is required. And all that remains to be done is to confront Darth Vader. This whole... I, I, Yoda this is, says that all Luke needs to do is take on Vader to become a Jedi. Why? Wasn't like all those Jedi you trained had all powerful father figures to take on before. 
This, I will concede, because you went on your rant a couple minutes ago about how horrible this movie is. When I watched this scene this morning, I did think to myself, this is the low point in the movie. This is where, you, like, having watched 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, mm-hmm. Star Wars, Clone Wars, The Rebels, having seen all of this stuff, reading the books, this scene should have so much weight of storytelling. There is so much that should be solved or resolved and when you listen to Yoda talk, you can tell, yeah, this scene was made before any of the other shit happened. And this needs fixed. I think... And I, they could redub the, the dialogue, but I almost think they need to redo the entire dialogue because, as you say, when you listen to him speak, what the fuck is he doing? Like, what's he talking about? He's not making any sense, but that's because what he is saying doesn't connect to anything that's now happened that has been made after. Well, what I think this is, is this is the confessions of someone on their deathbed. And, yeah, I, and, give, I, I agree. And, and finally telling the full truth on everything. And you can see the regret on Yoda's face that he's lied and deceived to a point, to a po- uh, certain point I, of view. I, I, I and agree. you watch this, this old master who was revered for so long at his weakest and pass on something to Luke. That being said, you cannot say in one breath that... Yeah, your training is complete. All that you need is this. And then say, incomplete was your training. He literally says it the next line. Yeah, I know. Um, he correctly infers... Or no, Luke attempts to get independent confirmation of Darth Vader's claim to be Luke's father. And Yoda's kind of evasive at first, and then Yoda tells Told him. you, did he? Yeah. Uh, he correctly infers that Vader has used this information as an emotional weapon against Luke. Yeah. And criticizes Luke for having faced Vader prematurely. <laughs> what the hell are you thinking? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he reminds Luke of the true nature of the Force and of the soul-corrupting nature of the dark side. Yoda then issues a dark warning, telling Luke how his father fell to the shadow. He was corrupted by the powers and influenced of the emperor. emperor. If Luke allows himself to be manipulated by this dark mind, then he too shall become what he most fears, which leads to Luke's final decision at the end of this, which is to say, I am a Jedi like my father, father before, before me. me. It's Yoda's last words, saying, I, I, I also, get it. I also agree with that connection. But it's. Lit- into, uh, can I add one more thing? Sure. Yoda's words about not underestimating the power of the Emperor is so true now after seeing the prequels transpire. Yeah. It means so much more now. I but, also agree with that line. Go on. Listening to you as you were summarizing that, you're right. What he says in one line doesn't make sense in the next. But then I'm thinking to myself, I remember having conversations with my grandparents as they were dying, as they were getting older. Mm-hmm. And there were so many times you would hear your grandparents say a story and in your head you're like, yeah, Pap, that's not how that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. like, And that's like, I don't know if it's dementia or what or just old age, but you sort of nod your head and you give them the hand squeeze, but you're like, in your personal head, you're like, yeah, that's not how that story happened, Gramps, but I'm not going to correct you. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. And, and, and so like, as I'm listening to this, I'm like, are we, we're literally watching Yoda die, mm-hmm. so is this that... Yeah, he's contradicting himself because you do that when you're old. You're, he's confessing. He is saying everything that happens. And so he's literally speaking them as their thoughts. And when we talk like that, it doesn't make fucking sense. Yeah. And so that's the only defense I have for that. But the phrase about the emperor and the phrase that he concludes with is what redeems Luke at the end. And as a result, Yoda, in a way, saves Anakin. Yes. Because if he doesn't tell Luke that, Luke does not put his lightsaber down. And it's also one more thing. Yoda is the only Jedi that we've seen so far 
who has died not by a lightsaber, but by old age. Yeah, he is the only one. The only one. Uh, finally, Yoda charges Luke with keeping alive the teachings and knowledge of the Jedi and the Force, urging him to start with his own family, with whom the Force is unusually strong. And with his final breath, Yoda tells Luke that there is another Skywalker. If Yoda knows that the last of the Jedi, Luke will be, did he forget he could be a Force ghost to help out Luke? I don't think he forgot. I think he made his decision. And that's also why there is a gap between three and four yeah. of where clearly a plan was made and we still, to this fucking day, don't know the whole plan. And I think it's because Lucasfilm hasn't decided how to fix it. And that is Obi-Wan and Bail Organa and Yoda came up with something. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll learn it in Rogue One. I don't know. But there is a reason Obi-Wan does nothing other than watch Luke on Tatooine and there is a reason that Yoda only goes to Dagobah and we don't know the details and that's frustrating to us because a lot of what you just said with the Force Ghost has to be tied into that decision made on Polis, Marasa or whatever. Yeah. Joel? Yoda's probably just sick of dealing with Skywalkers. <laughs> I had it. <laughs> I'm done. You guys all I don't fucked everything up. Oh, you were going to tell you to do stuff, and you're just going to be a brat and do the opposite? <laughs> all right, well, good luck with Vader. I'm going to go disappear real quick. <laughs> I can't disagree with that. Oh, Joel, I love your perspective. <laughs> that was awesome. That was, that was well done, sir. I s- <laughs> I'm tired of fucking dealing with Skywalkers. Tell your little brats. But... I still want to go back. I want to go back to the disappearing thing. Okay. It bothers me to this day, this morning. Mm. I still don't think Obi-Wan was actually hit with the lightsaber. Okay. Because he disappears mid-swing, not follow through. Yeah, that's true. I and don't think Vader, he's hit with the lightsaber. And then Vader looks. You don't even see his facial expressions, but he's like, well, yeah, uh, stumps the ground a little bit. And I still, I want clarification on that. That's bothered me to this day because I still don't know. Did he get hit by the lightsaber? You got to tweet Pablo Hidalgo, man. See if he'll answer your question. Oh, Pablo. I think that had episode four not happened the way that it happened and that they didn't know they were making sequels, uh, knowing what we know about Forrest Ghost with Qui-Gon Jinn dying, uh, you know, <laughs> you see his body. It's there. Right. Uh, and he becomes a Forrest Ghost later on. Uh, Obi-Wan. I think was meant. I I think if George Lucas made Episode Four today, he would have had a body there, you know, because that's when you look at what one, two, and three were. That's kind of the the theme that he kept with. So I think Episode Four. You know, we talked about Episode Four how it affected the continuity and Empire. It compounds like interest in Return of the Jedi, because now we're seeing things that. They're trying to link it up with Empire, but there's still issues with Star Wars 4. And it's like, it's like them trying to piece something together in this trilogy to continue it to make it work. It's, just, it's like jerking its way in there, though. Like, and it's don't you hate it when the they way. jerk it off and it just doesn't go where you want it to? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I love, how, I love how after that line... I'm about to say something very, very personal and very heartfelt because I wanted to bring it up. About jerking off? Because I think it every time I watch the Yoda death scene. Mm-hmm. And what it is is um, Luke, Luke says the line, what are you talking about? You can't die. And from the time I was a kid, that line has stuck with me because, and I'm sure you guys agree, that everybody as a kid has that person in their life that, whether they know what death is or not, they think to themselves, there is that person that will never die. Mm -hmm. There is that person that it doesn't matter what happens, that person will always be there. I will always be able to go see that person. 
<clears throat> and Tom Cruise. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> what a moment. <laughs> Ruined by Cruise. <laughs> Sorry, um, go ahead. <laughs> and, and, and for me, that was my my pap, my, my mom's dad. I, I don't know why. Him and I were just always close. And he was also, uh, I, I lost an aunt and I lost uh, my other grandparents much younger than I lost my pap. And I understood what death was. I understood how to handle it and all of that stuff. But I was a kid. So I was a kid handling it. I remember when my pap died because I had just graduated or I was about to graduate high school. So I was clearly old enough to know what the hell was going on. I had lost a friend to a car accident that same year. And I remember just before we left to go to the funeral in Pittsburgh, I watched this movie and when I saw that scene, it spoke to me. And when we got to the funeral, we were listening to the guy speaking all this stuff. I got so emotional because somebody had talked about the fact that Pap was somebody they never thought could die. Mm-hmm. And I had to leave. And I remember going to Woods. I, I have no idea where they were because it was in Pittsburgh. Or it was the, it was a small town outskirts of Pittsburgh. <clears throat> And I hadn't cried uh, like through that entire. And people were asking because they knew I was close to Pat. They're like, "Are, are you okay?" Like, yeah. my mom was checking me. Everybody's checking on me. I remember going to the middle of these woods and standing on a rock, and I cried my eyes out. I remember being on the ground, curled up, not like in a fetal position, but like on my knees, just crying into this stone. And I was. I remember screaming the Luke line. And I don't know why. I have no idea why. But at that moment in my life, I was screaming the you can't die. What are you talking about? You can't. Like, mm-hmm. I just remember screaming that into this stone with tears pouring down my eyes. And ever since then, I cannot watch that scene without getting teary eyed and thinking of my pap. And it is amazing to me how powerful that is because when people do see these movies as kids, we talk all the time about them being family things and life, uh, life-changing things, but something as small as that quote has always stuck with me because of that, and I, I literally think that, they, that every pers- everybody has that person. As much as I've shat on Yoda and I make fun of him and I call him an asshole and stuff like that, when he dies, there's just something powerful about that scene that I'm a 33-year-old man, and I still mm-hmm. get choked up, and it it hits me every fucking time right in the nuts with, with how that hurts. And it's just, it's a powerful scene, and I and I had to, to, to let people know that there are those moments with Star Wars that make it so much more than just movies. When people say, why do you love Star Wars? It's because they're... It's about family. Like this story is about people, yep. and it's it's powerful shit sometimes. The uh, so there, yeah, there's me being like genuinely personal. But there is cool story. <laughs> there's a there's a lot that goes into that feeling. Also, it's not just the moment that you see. It's the music that John Williams adds to it. Yeah, that it's that. and then it's the view of his hut and the light going out in it. Yeah, and, and I, I didn't catch the the light. Like the I, hut I thing. just got chills with the yeah. light. Yeah. But I, I just got the goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, but but see now, like I I can't watch that movie without seeing that rock. Like yeah. whatever that rock was, or there was a little bit of green moss. But my face was up against that rock, and I am crying. I remember my chest heaving and me just screaming tears. And every time I hear that line, I am seeing that rock in my eyes, and it's just it's weird that connection that has those two things together. Yoda. <clears throat> dies at peace, and before Luke's astonished eyes, his body vanishes, passing with his spirit into the Force. 
The spirit of Obi-Wan Kenobi confronts a distraught Luke, confirming that Vader was once Anakin Skywalker, a Jedi who was turned to the dark side of the Force. This is correcting episode four. It is. Obi-Wan confesses to Luke that he made mistakes in Anakin's training, especially by not deferring to Yoda, and takes responsibility for indirectly creating the evil Darth Vader. Which is a ne- that's, that's a necessary comment. This is like confessions from all the Jedis right now. Yeah. Luke counters that even now, all is not lost. That some part of Anakin remains, if only someone can reach it. When Luke asks about the other Skywalker, Obi-Wan tells him that Luke has a twin sister, hidden from Anakin and separated from Luke at birth to protect them both from the Emperor. Luke intuits that his sister is Princess Leia. Obi-Wan confirms it, but warns Luke that in the eyes of the Empire, all bonds of love and caring are potential weaknesses to be exploited. See, the thing that I take away from this is the whole, I was telling you the truth from a certain point of view. And I facepalm every time, every time I watch this. When I but, my- but I have to chuckle because when I was in college trying to learn the whole idea of historical perspective and looking at things through a 21st century versus 17th century, this lesson came out. I'm like, oh, that's what Obi-Wan was talking about. There's this perspective thing. Like, I got to look things through Joel's eyes because, you know, he agrees with me and Joe's not so much. <laughs> so I, that's another lesson where, like, oh, I was thinking that whenever I was learning historical perspective. Well, as I was writing this, because as I was watching this, I was picking out certain things. And yeah. I found Luke call bull, calls bullshit on Obi-Wan. Yeah, which oh, is awesome. And Obi-Wan talks himself out of the lie using perspective as an excuse. <laughs> So you love it as an excuse. See, I was thinking... You are only hope. Bullshit again. He just said there's a twin sister. Yeah. Bury your feelings. Wow. Obi-Wan sucks in this film. Yeah. All of his advice is... Horrible. The opposite of Frozen. I was about to say, that. well, this was before a female lead could happen in a movie. That's right, yeah. (laughs) Obi-Wan is... (laughs) Oh, wow. That's why Obi-Wan's not in Rogue One. Wow. Obi- Guys, but, it's a joke. It's a joke. But <laughs> looking at it seriously, you know, Obi-Wan, Yoda, this is them giving their final pieces to Luke to basically take on the Jedi from the, this point Like, on. you got to fix it. We fucked it up. That, that's essentially what this scene is. Exactly. This scene is Yoda and I fucked up. You are And when you watch the hope. prequels, you'll see how we fucked up. You're the one that's got to fix it. And I'm sorry we're not here to fix it, but maybe because you won't have our training, you won't make the mistakes we did. Yay! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, the entire Rebel Alliance fleet is massing there near Sullust, meeting to devise an attack strategy on an uncompleted Death Star. They say the weapon systems are not operational. Faulty information. Many Bothans died to bring shitty information. Or it was accurate when they died, and it changed... From the time that, the, yeah. But it was the emperor who allowed it to happen. You're not, yes. You don't trust the enemy. Because it is true. Because <laughs> the very next scene, he's like, please move the fleet to the other side of the moon. Yeah. And it's like, oh, he knows. Fuck me. It does make you wonder, how does he always know? He, he can foresee things. Yeah, really. Which I'm going to go back on something that I said earlier about the plan that Luke had. Perhaps he foresaw all that happening. Oh, that's a shame. I wasn't going to go there, but yeah, no. Maybe. But I, I, I'm going to throw the perspective out there. Perhaps, yeah. As part of it, as part of the attack, Han and his companions must land on the forest moon of Endor. We should be clear here: it's the forest moon of Endor. It doesn't mean they're on Endor; they're on the moon of Endor. Oh, they do call it Endor the whole time. That's mm-hmm. a cool catch that you did. And deactivate the generator that projects a protective shield up to the orbiting and incomplete Death Star. 
The team, led by Han, will use a stolen Imperial shuttle and confirmation code to infiltrate the heavy security measures protecting the construction site before the rest of the Rebel fleet arrives. Luke arrives at the meeting and tells Han and Leia that he'll join them on the dangerous commando mission. Luke walks into the meeting, and everybody just stops talking about the plan. It's time to, it's time to end. This is, this is the cheesiest movie, or cheesiest <laughs> moment in the whole movie. Like, literally, I'm like, this is like mozzarella and cheddar and gouda all wrapped <laughs> up into one. And I'm with you. I'm with you, too. Like, that's the, but I'm going to Tashi Station. That's this power converter. It's like, that's the whiny Luke right there. Like, you were a badass for the first 50 minutes of the movie, and then you came in and be like, I'm with you, too. Like, yay, we're buddies. I'm like, oh, The whole band is back me. together. Yeah. Joel mentioned at the beginning, this movie starts off with them all separated. Yeah, And now this is the moment where they are all finally together. I know, but it, and doesn't, it, it, it just and sounds cheesy. Go ahead. I was say, don't you feel good when they all come back together? You do. Yeah, you because, do. You're right. Because don't, wouldn't you say that feeling is essential to the movie? You would. <laughs> because all of the arcs, except for Luke's, is completed. Yeah, you're right. They're all done. Now it's just a matter of, okay, how long do we have before the movie's over, besides Luke's story? Hmm. There's still a fair bit to happen. They got to blow up you know, the whole Death Star twice. Uh, we are the bosses of blowing up Death Stars. The fleet's assault on the Death Star will be led by Lando Calrissian pil piloting the Millennium Falcon, which will fly into the core of the space station and destroy the main power generator. Now, I put here, Solo's selflessness with a Falcon should have been bookended with Lando's death in the Falcon. He's Hold on. He's Ooh. giving up his past for the Rebellion's future. Lando yeah, should have died with the power. Falcon to push Han forward. Hell, he had a funny feeling he wasn't going to see her again. Wouldn't that have been the ultimate that would have ending been. right there? But they would have cheapened Kylo Ren's moment. But here's the thing. George Lucas. First of all, Lawrence Kasdan, when they were going over the script, Kasdan kept saying, we need somebody to die in this. We should have Luke die and have Leia take over. Yeah. And, and Lucas said, no, 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 no. We can't do that. Okay, well, let's have Leia die. No, 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 no. And he... He, he wanted Han to die, He too. wanted three or four more people. And Lucas said, I'm tired of people dying at the end of these movies. We want a happy ending. Yeah, Good and, for and you, I, Lucas. And I, I hate to say it, I agree with Lucas. If you're doing like the emotional drama storytelling, then yes, somebody needs to die. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm also happy that everybody lived because how many fucking movies do I watch in my life where, yeah, they're happy endings, but you had to have tragedy before the happy. Sometimes it's okay to just have happy at the ending. Well, you need a problem. We did, the Empire. Okay. The team arrives <laughs> at Endor in the stolen shuttle and uses the confirmation code to sneak past the Imperial fleet. Luke senses that Vader is aboard the Imperial Fleet's largest ship, the Super Star Destroyer Executor, and believes he's endangering, endangering the mission. Han tells him not to worry. Now, if Luke feels like he's endangering the mission because Vader can sense him, uh, how did he not think about that beforehand? If he could plan that whole thing at the beginning with Jabba, he couldn't use his premonition skills here? Well, I, I'm also sort of like, they're flying right in front of the bridge of the executor. <laughs> like, right in front. I know. <laughs> and both kids are there, and Vader is just, like, with the helmet looking up like, hmm. I know the one. I, I sense a disturbance. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't sense... A feeling I haven't I, felt since? I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't sense them before when they were right in front of my fucking face on the original Death Star. But now I sense them because the story demands it. Well, I will deal with them. Please let them through. It's like, come on, fuck me. Well, well, first off. Way to go, Sprad. There it is. Way to go, Sprad. There's your call. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Sprad. Well done. 
Uh, <laughs> I like how Joel's just watching the movie. <laughs> he is. He is literally watching the movie while we're doing the podcast. He's watching it with a commentary is what it is. <laughs> he's, he is loving this. We just got fucking played. When they, arrive on the, when they arrive on the moon, the team happens across a small unit of Imperial biker scouts. Uh, can I just say first, Leia could wear anything, including a camouflage helmet, and she'd still be hot. She is hot. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they did with her makeup, or her face is just genuinely attractive, but those eyelashes mm-hmm. in that, sh- her eyes, and eyes are always my thing. I tell my wife all the time that I fell in love with her for her eyes, but whew, Leia looks hot there. And I, I almost wonder, because you get the zoom in of her face, she's almost hotter there than she was in the bikini. Well, also, I we now almost. can see truly the sexual tension between Luke and Leia is gone. No. <laughs> it is not there anymore. Friend no, it's zoned. not. It's not. It's not there. But also, holy backseat driving! <laughs> like when they hop on the speeder, how did I literally wrote? Why does Leia not punch him in the face? Because <laughs> he is literally behind her, telling her exactly what to do. She's a force user too, dude. She and you just found out that she's your sister. You're kind of being a bastard, mm. or. Or, she doesn't know how to use the force yet. Or is he that overprotective brother where he's like, no, 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 make sure you do that. No, you got to do that. Like, is that why he's doing it? But I'm literally like, she should have just cold cocked him and like punched him square in the face. Well, Joel, you said earlier that he probably mind tricked everybody into that one plan. Perhaps he was just mind tricking her again, going, just do what I say. <laughs> uh, the new scout troopers look awesome. I love the scout trooper uniform. They do look cool. I also love the little the the little hand pistol that they have. That's also very cool. I lost that first thing. I think I opened that toy up when I was a kid. That was the first thing gone out of that thing. There goes the weapon. Oh, Down a drain. Sad. Always reminded me of the villain from Scream. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ghostface. Yeah, Ghostface. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's where they got the Ghostface idea from. They were like, we take this and just stretch Maybe. it out. And we got it. Han tries to sneak up on the scouts to disarm them, but draws their attention when he steps on a branch. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only twig in the fucking forest. His Worst. family cannot <laughs> sneak around. No, they can't. <laughs> <laughs> Leia and Luke jump on speeder bikes and pursue two more scouts through a projection screen through the forest at high speed. Oh, oh. they overtake oh. them both. Butters, sorry, with shots fired across oh. the bow. Oh. They <laughs> pew pew. <laughs> they overtake them both, but are separated. Leia's bike crashes into a tree after she jumps off and she falls unconscious, and Luke jumps off his own bike, battles with the scout that's been pursuing him, forcing him to crash under his lightsaber. Uh, I can understand a Jedi having the reflexes to maneuver a speeder bike through the force of the moon of Endor, but stormtroopers? Yeah, I also had a problem with this. I'm like, what? Unless they've just been training for a really long time, or you now see what's happening to all the force users that the Empire has been collecting over this time. But if you just watch the movies and don't watch Rebels or Clone Wars and all that stuff, then you're like, what, the WTF? I think a lot of the speeder bike scenes in this could be updated with CGI. Yeah. The Blu-ray, although looks great in the sky battles, does not look good here. This doesn't look good, and the Rancor does not look good. um, And also, there's six blaster shots that shoot from that bike. Uh, Only two are blocked by Luke, and none of the other ones are seen. He, he's, he's right. There's editing issues there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I mean, he was changing the color of lightsabers. I'm not surprised he missed four blaster bolts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but at the same time, it is pretty badass when he swipes his lightsaber down and knocks that thing. <laughs> and, just, <laughs> and it was perfectly timed. Yes. Yeah, but here's the better question. There's no seatbelts. <laughs> How the <laughs> fuck, when that guy is spinning, did he not fall off? Uh, that's a good point. Like, yeah. that's the best centrifugal force ever of all time. Well, that would actually pull you, uh, throw you off it. Yeah. yeah immediately. Yeah. Woo. 
Perfectly spinned. Ugh. Like an arrow. Are they yeah. foot holsters? <laughs> Maybe they're hand holsters. No, they can't let go. no it's like a snowboard and he's we saw the, in. We saw the close up of them starting it. It's just it's like yeah. a motorcycle. It's just yeah. sitting on it. Nope. That's that's those were fun toys though, weren't they? They yes, were until you, they were. you know we had to put it back together. Uh, <laughs> Mom <laughs> Go outside. Sad thing is, is I'm going through that now. I'm not putting that back together again. Put the damn toy away or play with something. Be ready; else. it's going to come in your future. <laughs> That's what. No, I'm dealing with it right oh, okay. now. The boy constantly has this one toy that he takes apart. He's like, "Daddy, fix, Daddy." Fi-. No, I'm not fixing that thing one more time. You do realize now you're the toy. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm being played with. <laughs> when Luke rejoins the team, he finds that Leia hasn't returned. The team looks for her, but is captured by indigenous creatures called Ewoks because. Chewbacca's stomach takes over. Yeah, really. Uh, Pat- Patrick made the comment, six million forms of communication, and they just happen to include a dialect of Ewok, a species that hasn't invented electricity, let alone space travel? How? I guess I just gave that note a little early. We didn't get there, but it made me think of it. Well, they're short, furry, intelligent forest dwellers. An Ewok called Wicket befriends <laughs> Leia with some crackers. like this guy. <laughs> but the other Ewoks who capture the rest of the rebel party decide to sacrifice themselves to 3PO, who they believe is a god. <laughs> a goldenrod god. A go- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, uh, worshiping the a, they're worshiping a golden rod. Ewoks are adorable. <laughs> they are. I think we all want an Ewok just to hang out with. And in fact, but now we think that they are carnivorous cannibalist beasts? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's the un- that's the tone that no one wants to remember here is that they were going to cook people and eat them. Yep. Oh. They're not fluffy, furry, huggly. No. Uh, They're survivalists. Exactly. They can't it, blame them. Nope. <laughs> they, they eat what you can find, damn it. Now we know <laughs> the real reason why Wicket was licking his chops when he saw Leia for the first time. Uh, Leia and Wicket scene <laughs> is as good as you can make it without it being cheesy. It's, it's I, I smart agree. direction. It is, yeah. it is. It's a great scene. Uh, well the, done, Warwick Davis. The trooper got behind Leia pretty quick while she was being ambushed. Yeah. There is some continuity stuff. <laughs> uh, Chewie's stomach makes him an idiot all of a sudden. Uh, Ewoks thinking C-3PO is a golden god is so appropriate. Not yeah. to mention, continues the difference between him and Han Solo. Yeah. <laughs> Scorpio <laughs> annoys everyone in this movie for five movies until he meets these little furry creatures and they worship him. <laughs> yeah. It's just the perfect turnaround it for is his the entire perfect turn storyline. There's another thing that I found in this, and it's going to come in the next scene here. Uh, there, it, there's a scene that separates here, and there it's uh, the Emperor questioning Vader about his feelings on the planet. Oh. His first sense of conflict between the two characters that you've actually seen. Yeah. Yes. McDermott continues to kill it as the Emperor. And it's a scene where you see the Emperor is not in total control. No, he's worried about what Vader is going to do. Yes. He's starting to get nervous because he's realizing Vader and Luke together are better than me. Yeah. Uh, Which that's that's crazy because he had no problem taking on every single Jedi that ever existed. mm -hmm. But these two. Yeah, he is genuinely terrified of these two Skywalkers. So the power he must sense—that's the thing we always talk about: mm. Luke and, and Vader's power. Whatever the Emperor senses from these two is fucking strong. Well, the Emperor also knows that the only thing that could pull him back is a family member still alive. He tried to convince him that everybody was dead. Yep, and because that built rage in, in an hate. empire, he says we have to kill the motherfucker. 
You know, end him. He'll join us or die. You know, that that was it right there. And everybody's like, cool. He's on my side. I got this. Um, also, who are the two guys in purple that Emperor hanging out with? I also had that note. I'm like, <laughs> are they his, like, love buddies? Are they, like, his love lovers? Because, like, he, you find out who the they em- are. In- the Emperor goes over to him, and the Emperor bows to the two of them. It's yeah. like. You find out who they are in the Aftermath book. Which one? Aftermath. The original one? Yep. Oh, I don't remember. Who were they? Uh, one. They were aides and councils. Well, I figured that, but I didn't. Yes, but they also were force believers, but could not wield. Oh, so sort of like, what's his name like that's coming up on Rogue One? Yes. The, the the character that, he's constantly in the trailers talking about how powerful the force is, but he doesn't use it himself. The one from Ip Man. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay, so Luke, having mastered the force, levitates C-3PO to impress the Ewoks with the droid's power and scare them into giving up the sacrifice. With the help of C-3PO, Luke and his party form an alliance with the Ewoks, whose Stone Age technology has unexpectedly effective military applications. Later on. Uh, Can we first say that Luke's levitation of 3PO is pretty cool? It's awesome. There's no strings. You can't see him. And Han is genuinely impressed. When you see Harrison Ford playing Han and that sort of reaction, he's like, even he's like, whoa, the kid's doing that? Like, that's a cool moment when you see Han start to be like, okay, now I respect Luke. Because in the comic books and all this stuff, you realize that those two have grown to respect each other because they've both helped each other out in Mm -hmm. various escapades. But on screen, this is the first time where you're like, oh, you are a bit of a badass now. Uh, Why is 3PO out of breath saying, I never knew I had it in me? He's a droid. Hey, that costume's got to be hard on Anthony (laughs) Daniels. I'm just saying. I did like the fact that you needed the acceptance of the tribe to build the alliance later in the film. Uh, And although people hate the scene, it is necessary. It is. Uh, Especially when you consider at the very beginning of the series, C-3PO tells Luke, I'm not much of a storyteller. And here he is telling a great story to all the Ewoks. So even he has evolved. His sound effects are awesome. Yeah. I think that was something else Patrick said. He was like, I love... C-3PO sound effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, growing up watching this movie, honestly, until I think I watched it this time, every time Luke closed his eyes and leans his head back, I always thought it was just another symptom of like, this piece of shit just talking. Talking. <laughs> and talking. I'm just never, tired of listening to this golden rod. I thought it was just everyone being like, this guy just sticks around and I never <laughs> in my childhood mind I just never thought that he was doing anything <laughs> I thought it was another one just sick of him uh, Ewoks are so starved for food they plan on eating R2 he's even tied up however in the next scene you see him tied up yeah, he's, he's free walking yeah. around yep. and then in the next scene he's tied up again they knock him off the thing and yep. I'm like who edited this Yeah. <laughs> stormtrooper armor is pointless Blasters, bows and arrows, rocks, hell just thrown against a tree. What the fuck does it to protect, protect them from? Oh. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we know that Captain Rex hates it. Yeah. Uh, later, Luke decides that now is the time after the story to go and face Vader. He confesses to Leia that he is her brother and that he has to try to save the man who was once their father. Now, we talked about Leia not looking good. I hated this hairstyle. So did I. I, I hated the Ewok hairstyle because her hair, if you look at her hair before... It's short and like nicely put up, and then all of a sudden it goes down to the bottom of her back. That's not physically possible. You couldn't have that much hair in a bun like that and then drop it down. Like that's just what the hell? You want to hear something really morbid? 
So uh, we know that the Ewoks will eat anything, right? Yeah. Yeah. Only metal. Where did Leia's clothes come from? Another Aww. human that they ate. Yep. And she's okay wearing them. Yeah. Well, she's okay with a lot of things. That we're going to find out in a second here. She tells him reaction is just weird. She tells him to ignore his feelings and then leave, but Luke tells her that he must face his destiny. How does Leia remember her mom? Or is she remembering Bail Organa's wife? Did she die when Leia was younger? That I also wondered that. I'm like, when I watched that, she's like, I remember my mother did it. I'm like, no, you don't. Like, you don't. And so I also, because I had this argument with a friend a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there's no fucking way. They're like, no, she's talking about her mom from Alderaan. That's what I was And thinking. that's when I was like, that was the first time it made sense to me. And then I'm like, okay, she can't be talking about Padme. She has no. to be talking about somebody else. Uh, Luke reveals that Vader is his father, then reveals that Leia is his sister. Leia doesn't seem too shocked by the reveal of Vader, but the reveal of Luke is jarring. Seriously? Well, she did kiss him. <laughs> Again, this is continuity errors. I agree. Yeah. He surrenders peacefully to Vader, but fails to convince his father to abandon the dark side. Anakin's name no longer has meaning. Yes, it does. It's what fuels his rage. Yeah. He needs to remember Anakin. Yeah. Why must he obey his master? The reason he turned was because he wanted to save his wife, Padme. She's gone. Why stay now? There's nothing menacing about Vader in this movie. Nothing. They have neutered him in this movie. He does nothing whatsoever to appear evil. He just appears to be weak and pawned. No, see, I don't get that. He's a pawn in this movie. No, I think he's got his own scheme. And I thought this even before the reveal of the comics when you realize, okay, he knew the whole time. Yeah. And he's clearly playing two sides. I don't see him as weak. This is where I see him as scheming, as conniving, because with that moment that I mocked on the bridge of the executor when they're flying by, when he realizes Luke's here, he starts scheming himself. And he is guarding his thoughts from both the Emperor and Luke and everybody. And he is starting to figure out there was a moment back on Cloud City when I was connecting with my son. And I think he felt something when he saw Luke fall. Mm -hmm. And he's been thinking about it ever since. And so all of this, I don't think it makes him think weak. I think he's trying to figure out this guy is powerful. He's my kid. And then the whole scene of them on the walkway is, again, a powerful scene to me because... This is the first time a father is talking to his son. Yeah. Like, I don't care. That is emotional and awkward and uncomfortable and all of that. I don't think it's demasculating him or making him less powerful. I think if it's anything, it's he's reserved when he's talking to him because it's like, I need to hear what you're saying because whatever you say and how you answer my questions is going to change and alter how I deal with the Emperor later. Because I think Vader has a scheme all his own the entire time. Okay. I hear you. I, I, I'm hearing what you're saying. I just, I, I see it differently. I just yeah. see it as he's not the same Vader I saw in Empire. And, and that's because he's changed. I think the fight when we Bespin get Bespin changed him. Well, when we get to the fight, it just takes place one year later from that point. Yeah. Uh, he's not fighting the same way as he did in Empire, where he was just overthrowing. He's getting his ass handed to him. Is he, or is he just pair, or is he just letting the fight happen? Well, is he? It's one of those instances where, like you said, I think it's, I think it's whatever you want to see the, it the, as. The, the boy may get bigger than the dad, and he may like pick a fight with the dad. But there are times where, like, you sort of let, like the dad is letting the boy play with him. But if he ever really needed to, 
that dad can overpower the son. Yeah, but there's also that point where your kid gets too big to start wrestling with anymore because he's starting to hurt you. But I don't think that moment has happened yet. It hasn't happened for you yet. I think no, it's happening ta- in this movie. I, uh, I think it has because when he fights at the end... Well, he- it almost needs to happen because Luke needs to be the more powerful one. You are right. I can, well, I can see that point. Everything from this point on between the Emperor Luke and Vader is perfect. Yes. It is perfect. And you mentioned there are points in movies where you skip past things because... Yeah. Yeah. I will skip through the Ewok stuff just to get to these scenes. Because they're the most powerful scenes. They are great scenes. I agree. Uh, They go to the Death Star to meet the Emperor, who reveals that the Rebel Alliance is walking into a trap. On the forest moon, the Rebels, led by Solo and Leia, enter the shield generator control facility, only to be taken prisoner by a large legion of Imperial troops. Once they are led out of the bunker, however, the Ewoks spring a surprise (laughs) counterattack. I love the Ewok attack. (laughs) Stormtroopers who can't hit anything consistently through two films versus teddy bears who may be primitive, but they're accurate. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) A hang glider? Really? Not very practical in the fucking woods. (laughs) Hey, but it comes up very well in the Ewok adventures. Have you seen those? No. Oh, they're great. Don't no. I will loan you the DVD. There's two movies. They're unbearable. No, they are fantastic. When's the last time you saw them? Last year. Okay, revisit them. I watched them last year. Revisit them. I will. Without your child. No, I watched them myself. Okay. Oh, you are a glutton for punishment. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. Chewbacca's when, Tarzan when, yell. When, when the rock spins around and then goes through the sand and they secretly get through the rock and it splits and oh, it's so Doesn't magical. that sound interesting, Joel? Rocks? <laughs> I like the rock, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, not the rock. <laughs> hey, he sells, he sells movies. Man. Chewbacca's Tarzan yell. <laughs> Pisses me off. And the fact that we had to hear it in episode three pissed me off, too. <laughs> it just... <laughs> It's a Tarzan. It's not a Wookiee thing. It's a Tarzan thing. God damn. But it's funny. And only, but that's the thing. But it, only adults would get it. But that's the problem, is they try to stick things in here that were just for comic relief. It was like jar-jarring certain points. Well, yeah. Uh, in a desperate ground battle. Oh, crap. Speaking of jar-jar, there was a point way back when. The rebels in Ewoks fight the Imperial forces. Aboard the Death Star, the Emperor attempts to seduce Luke with the powers of the dark side. The Emperor reveals his plan. The information that rebel spies had stolen was part of an elaborate plan to draw out the rebel fleet and command so they could be eliminated in one battle. And then he says one of my favorite lines, I'm afraid the deflector shield will be quite but operational when, when your, your friends, friends arrive. arrive. That is a great <laughs> line. He it's is such awesome. a prick in this scene. <laughs> it's so awesome. You're like, I was one step ahead the whole time. <laughs> He's such a dick. Once they are let out of the bunker, however, the Ewoks spring us. Oh, I just read that. Hold on before. Okay, I, I did miss a major point. Okay. So Patrick made a major point, and this was about the, 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 the hallway scene before. Vader and Luke go up, and he says, this is for you, Joel. (laughs) (laughs) You can say you hate Christensen all you want, but Christensen did a great job of portraying the fact that Anakin will always choose love of family over everything else. It's what led him to the dark side, and after the conversation with Luke, it's what's going to bring him back to it, or back from it. I agree. I mean, I was thinking thinking that exact point earlier without Christensen in it. I'm just. <laughs> I'm not like dismissing the point. I'm not dismissing it at all. He did a good job no! of saying. <laughs> that wasn't Christensen. That was Mark that was Hamill. Hamill. Yeah. 
Oh. That was, no, he did a very good job of letting you know where his priorities were. But I was thinking that it's family that took him to the dark side. It's family that brings him back. Yep. And yes, Christensen. Christensen well acted that very well. Yes. <laughs> Does that hurt? Does that hurt to say that? Not if I just say yes. <laughs> I feel the conflict within you. Let go of your hate. <laughs> As Luke's anger builds, he attacks the Emperor with his lightsaber, only to be stopped by Vader's crimson blade. A Jedi's weapon? Isn't it a Sith's weapon, too? That's, that's a powerful scene. And mm-hmm. I just completely dismissed the whole thing you said because that scene went, and you see Ian McDermott just laughing. <laughs> it's like, oh, Good. shit, it's on. Good. It's like... Like I'm getting goosebumps just now thinking of it. That's just powerful. Why? Why would the emperor give the plans to the rebels if he could foresee everything and not foresee the destruction of the Death Star? Future's always in motion. It is. Yoda says. Ah. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> this is a cool scene. I do like the fact oh. that he gets so pissed off to the point where. But that, there's the thing. McDermott does a great job of prodding him, but I don't think it's enough to push Luke over. Oh, because he has such faith in his friends. He does. Your faith in your friends is yours. <laughs> and and that's the ironic thing. Like Anakin's love of family pulled him to the dark side and pulls him back. But Luke's faith in his friends, which is also love, mm-hmm. is the sole reason he stays a Jedi. What is love? So it's kind of a conflicting message. Baby, don't hurt me. <laughs> don't hurt me. No more. <laughs> I heard a remake to that song no. this month. They made, they remade that song? Yeah, somebody said, you know what song needs to be remade? Hadaway's What Is Love. <laughs> Baby, don't hurt me. It was a rock version, I'm pretty don't sure. It was like no a metal more. version of Hadaway's What Is Love. Like, we need Shaq Fu. Yeah. <laughs> During the strike team's assault, the rebel fleet emerges from hyperspace for the battle over Endor, only to discover that the shield of the Death Star is still functioning because of those goddamn The shield is files. still up! The shield is still up! Which, if they know the shield's still up, why can't they just hyperspace their asses out of there now? Yeah, really. I love the shot of all the ships going into hyperspace at the same time, though. That is a cool-looking <laughs> shot. Uh, this scene gets me pumped up, too, because uh, I like the battle in the sky. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty awesome. And it I'm, is one of the better sky battles. Not as good as the opening to episode three. No, 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 it's Episode not. three is awesome. But This is this my is, number this two. This is number two. I agree. But I think I like it because you have that contrast of the planet below hand. So you have that blue aura underneath everything too there's a lot of colors happening in this scene is your internet working uh i don't know huh mine's off we have like four things pulled into it so okay because it's it's not letting me load the page it just went away uh now i have i have nothing okay well an intense space battle takes place as the imperial fleet in a second part of the emperor's plan appears and attacks the rebel fleet during the battle, the Death Star is revealed to be operational. Its super laser is fired at the Rebel fleet and obliterates a Rebel star cruiser. The Emperor has something special planned. Was it just firing the Death Star at the ships? Why not take them out with the Star Destroyers? Seems like that would have been easier. There are a lot of things in this entire series that could have been easier. Yes. But had they made it all at one point, they would have known that. Problem is, is they made a piecemeal. Yeah, exactly. Uh, though it's almost a- like we said before. If you know the ending, you can tell a good story. Mm-hmm. Mm, more to say, have you? Though Admiral Akbar wants to abandon the attack, Lando convinces him that they must give Han and his party more time on Endor. The fleet regroups and begins to engage the Imperial fleet of Star Destroyers directly. Rebels got ballsy all of a sudden. Yeah, they did. <laughs> when things don't go your way, normally they're kind of like, uh, let's pull back. Nope, we're going all in. 
Now, on the Death Star, the Emperor taunts Luke to give in to his anger. A ferocious lightsaber duel has erupted between Luke and his father. In the midst of combat, Vader reads Luke's feelings and learns that he has a... You have feelings. Sister. Sister. Your thoughts thoughts betrayed her. If you will not turn to the dark side, then perhaps she will. That's where you need the... No! (laughs) No! That's so like I still get like chills hearing that. As much as people mock that, that's a powerful scream. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Luke gives in to his rage and furiously gains the upper hand in the battle, slicing off Vader's right robotic hand in a rage in one swift cut, and makes his father succumb to defeat at the mercy of his son's blade. Despite the Emperor's goading, Luke refuses to kill his father because he looks at his hand and goes, oh my gosh, I'm turning into Vader. I got a robotic hand too. Yep. Not a good sign. We all have hands. Wait, Aw, hands. (laughs) Luke refuses to kill his father, realizing that he is traveling down his father's path towards the dark side and says, I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Realizing that Luke cannot be turned, the Emperor uses force lightning against him to torture and attempt to kill him. So be it. Jedi. <laughs> now, again, this is I, this is another line that I've used quite frequently during Mario Kart. <laughs> when I used to play with my little brother Mario Kart, we'd sit there on the couch playing, and every time I had a red shell, and I'd get behind him, I would look at him and go, "And now, young Steve, you, you die. will die." <laughs> and he was like, awesome. and he would just start going, "No, no." <laughs> Deeply affected by the sight of his son dying before him, Vader repents and turns on the Emperor, throwing him down a reactor shaft to his Love death. That. that is a good scene. Do we want to talk about the nose that we hear now? The what? Because Vader says, no. 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 And then he grabs the Emperor. Those are put in. I, did, I didn't catch those. Yeah, those were added in with James Earl Jones when they did this, uh, the new movie, the 2004 version. 2004? Yeah. No, I I didn't catch those at all. Mm-hmm. When he's con- when he's looking back and forth from Luke to the Emperor, you hear him go, "No, no," and then he grabs the Emperor and throws him down the shaft. That I actually kind of like that because it's showing him with that internal struggle. I'm mm-hmm. okay with that. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people didn't like it because they liked it just looking and they could see what he was thinking. But I like the fact that you're verbalizing the internal struggle. A lot yeah, of people I'm don't okay like a lot of things. Twinkies. It doesn't make them right. <laughs> Twinkies. Cheese pizza. There's nothing on it. Awesome. It's perfect. <laughs> not saying it's the best, but it, <laughs> it's pizza. It's <laughs> it is the best. At what the same time, know? however, the Emperor's force lightning causes fatal injuries to Vader and short circuits his breathing system. Stopping momentarily in the landing bay, Anakin asks Luke to take his mask off, knowing that he'll die, but desiring to look at his son's face with his human eyes. I love you had to add the breathing mechanism, because until you said that right now, I'm like, why the fuck did Vader die? Oh, yeah. But then as soon as you said that, hey, I didn't get that watching the film. And so this is literally the, and all the times I'm watching, I'm like, does he just die from taking lightning? Because he's lived through a whole lot more than like a lightning strike. How did that take him out? The breathing, it short out and out the that, okay. Which is funny because... That I can believe. I you, can believe that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to blow your minds in a second now. Because when he gets shocked with the lightning, the next scene that we have is R2 getting busted up because he gets shocked and electric all over everything. So Anakin and his droid are both taken out at the same time. 
or did or to plan it that way? Or are they the same person? Are they the same person? Mind blown. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Uh, revealing. Okay, so Luke removes <laughs> the helmet, revealing the pale and scarred face of his father, Anakin, Sebastian Shaw. Anakin says that Luke was right about him and asks Luke to tell his sister. And with those you final words, about Anakin dies. Tell your sister you were wrong. <laughs> it's so creepy when you do it. It's awesome. That, I love that. Oh, Sebastian Shaw does a great job. Back on Endor, the strike team finally destroys the shield generator because R2's dick tries to save the day, but it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not a magical He penis. gets an electric STD. <laughs> <laughs> he gets blaster shot, and then he goes electric crazy, electric boogaloo on R2. Uh, the rebel fleet seizes the opportunity to launch a final assault on the Death Star in space. Now, I want to... When I was younger, I always thought that the Emperor was playing everything like chess pieces, and when he died, the tables turned. All right. I, I need to make sure I have both things up at the same time. Uh, Patrick had another comment. When Anakin dies, why doesn't his body disappear? Because he does become a Force Ghost leader. Mm-hmm. Or does it disappear and it's just the armor? Because you see Luke struggling to move that body up into the shuttle. Why is there still a body? Why doesn't he disappear like everything else? I mean, you were saying about yeah, continuity errors and all exactly. that stuff. That's another continuity problem. Like, he's a force ghost later. We saw Yoda disappear. We saw, yep. although Qui-Gon doesn't disappear. No, he his, doesn't. His body doesn't disappear in episode one either. So no. maybe Vault, he wasn't hit by the lightsaber in episode four. Four. Maybe four episode four. Yeah. <laughs> Deuces, two fingers. Sorry, nobody in the podcast can, or that's listening, but Joel just said episode four and held up two fingers. It's more of the <laughs> pointing. Whatever, I'm just here. <laughs> but maybe he, Obi Wan, and Yoda both voluntarily gave up. And when it's volunt when it's voluntary, you can you disappear. Okay. But when it's an outward thing, you stay. Your body stays on Earth. So maybe you, he wasn't hit by the lightsaber. you can't disappear until you're burned, because Qui-Gon was burned and Vader were burned. Yeah. So you have the two that disappear, and you have the two that we've seen burned both become Force ghosts. So that's that's an interesting connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. I, I, there's, the continuity is the issue here, and I think we can try to explain it the best we can. I think you did a good job of doing that. I just I don't know if Lucas was thinking that. I don't know what no. he was thinking. We're, we're filling in holes that were there because Lucas wasn't. Yeah. Or he has ideas, puts them together, and he realizes, your ideas don't always flow together, pal. Like, know the ending of the story before you tell it. Lando leads, <laughs> Lando leads Wedge Antilles, who's been in all three movies and been quite instrumental in all three. Yep. And his fighter group into the bowels of the Death Star, where they fire at the main reactor, causing its collapse. Luke, with the body and armor of Anakin, escapes the Death Star in an Imperial shuttle. Moments later, Wedge in his X-Wing and Lando in the Millennium Falcon emerge from the Death Star just as the space station explodes. <laughs> because before Death Star explodes, you have to have a yeehaw. So, he, 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 Patrick makes another comment. He's like, the shield generator explosion was awesome and sweet, but a little large for how close they were. How the f*** did they survive? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I got nothing there. I, Patrick, your guess is as good as mine, buddy. Uh, they but, can survive because there's no oxygen for fire to expand in space, so really it just wouldn't have exploded at all. Yeah. <laughs> it would have just been like, poof. <laughs> just dissolved, much like the Jedi's. Why, why thank you, Boyd. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, you know, it's funny because people complain that, oh, it's the third movie. Oh, they're doing another Death Star. 
But in this, this the Death Star in the in the first movie wasn't supposed to be there. No, it was supposed to be in the third movie only. It was all build up to the Death Star because he wasn't planning on a trilogy of movies. He just he threw just it in the first one because he thought it was only going to be the the only film he ever made. Yeah, uh, which lends you to wonder: should these eventually be remade? We'll get there. Anyway, on Endor, Leia reassures Han Solo of her love and reveals to him that Luke is actually her brother. Patrick said that he really wanted Leia to call Solo an idiot for not knowing this all along, and she ha- he hates the line because he says, maybe I'm just projecting what my wife would have said to me in that same situation. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, why, why, why didn't she just call him an idiot? <laughs> that evening, Luke cremates the remains of his father in a funeral pyre on Endor. Now... When I first saw this before the prequels, I was like, okay, he's doing a service for his father. This is just honoring his dad, yeah. Now when you watch it with all six, and this is the final shot of Vader, you realize the full story. And this is the ending. it bookends it. I just got goosebumps thinking about it. Qui-Gon to him bookends the chosen one. It's... It, it, yep, it, it fixes and everything. the music makes more sense now for some reason because yeah. it's hopeful, it's sad, it's a lot of different things, and it focuses on the helmet of him as it's burning away. Yep, and it's just like, oh gosh, it is about Anakin. You get this the whole feels. thing is this, Anakin Skywalker. This movie gives you the feels a lot, yes, but yeah. it's ending the trilogy, so it has to give you the feels a lot. Well, it's ending the hexology. We're not planning Force Awakens yet. Yeah, that's true. You know, and so we're looking at this as a six-group saga, saying this was the whole story of Anakin Skywalker. It makes sense yep. that it ends this way and it started over here. Then Force Awakens happens, and we'll go over that next week. Yep. Uh, that evening, the, uh, the entire galaxy celebrates the fall of the Emperor and the rebel victory over the Empire. And there is bad music. The music is horrible. I love the scenes of all the different celebrations, but I loved the original music. Just yeah. The yep, drumming. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, that was a better scene. So keep that music, and then go and see all the other celebrations. That's what they should have done. The mu- the- <laughs> oh, so bad. No, I know what you're doing. It's still bad. Uh, is it bad that they're drumming on the helmets of their No, because, again, it kind of shows them vicious. Like, everybody jokes that they're all cuddly. No, you don't fuck with an Ewok, dude. He will bite your face off. Literally. Survival. <laughs> it's not vicious if it's normal. Like yep, that, yep. Right? yep, yep. Yep, yep. say yep, yep. Luke, Leia, Han, Lando, and the rest of the Rebels, along with the Ewoks, celebrate the victory as well. Uh, during the celebration, Luke catches sight of the spirit figures of Obi-Wan Kenobi, Yoda, and the redeemed Anakin Skywalker, who look proudly upon him. Like Hayden Christensen, and he'd be like, who the f*** are you? <laughs> I like the change. Because <laughs> he doesn't want Hayden Christensen. No, it, it's a necessary change. I'm not, I'm not saying that they shouldn't have changed it to Christensen. Yeah. They needed to. I feel bad for Sebastian Shaw, but he is still in the films, in the makeup, so mm-hmm. that's at least still good, so he's still there for continuity. But they needed to make the shift. I'm just joking at the fact that like Luke's looking at him like, you have no clue what this guy looks like. Yeah. I know you put it together by inferencing and, and process of elimination, but still, it's just funny that you're looking at him like, oh, it's like, you didn't know who the fuck you are. No. <laughs> <laughs> you had no clue who this person was and how he has long flowing hair and you do the sh- short crop top. Yeah, I love, <laughs> I love the fact that they did do this because it was the final time that he was truly at his best. Yeah. Um, but it also opens up the doorway to a young Ewan McGregor possibly playing a spirit. Yep. As Obi Wan, because if he can change the way that he looks, looks. then Obi Wan can too. 
Yep. Uh, now the movie's over. Da, 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 da. Uh, Patrick had a final sum up. I loved this movie. A great climax to a three-part movie series and a great finish to a six-part series. After the next film, I sincerely wish they had stopped a Return of Jedi in their story. I know Joe is excited for Episode 7, but I personally felt extremely disappointed by the product they set out. But I'll get into that next week. Yeah, I can't wait to hear what he has to say because yeah, honestly, he, he, he wishes he, it had ended. He here. is probably going to go over the greatest hits angle, and that's the greatest hits of the trilogies. Yeah, uh, and to which I will re- respond with: every movie is repeated history. So there you go. Uh, this whole series is about repeating history that's over still- and over again. All right, but we'll uh, wait until then. What did you think after watching this movie, Joe? Uh, when it comes to cohesion, this movie still has some continuity problems that stem all I the agree. way back to episode four. In fact, I dare say that the prequel Twilight trilogy works better together than the original trilogy. Continuity-wise? Yep. Yes, I agree. I have to agree with that because they made them all together. They knew the story that was going on. That's the problem with the, with the original trilogy. I completely agree with that point. Yeah, I agree as well. Uh, what do I think after watching that movie? Yeah. Yes, I can rip apart all the continuity errors, but that's not what I remember at the end of this movie. At the end of this movie, I am happy, and I'm smiling, and everyone's alive. I mean, I know Kasdan yeah. wanted to kill somebody off, but Except it's the one, Emperor. He's it's, dead. Yeah, but he's a bad guy. <laughs> it's one of the few times when you watch this as a kid, and you're like, all of my heroes are alive, and they're going to live quote-unquote, happily ever after. Even mm-hmm. before it was a Disney property, they had the happily ever after ending. And you don't get that often with sci-fi pictures and sort of Star Wars being a kid. This was sort of like my faux adult film. And well, you get it out of fantasy movies. Do you? Well, Lord of the Rings ends with a Lord happy Lord of the note. Rings does not end happy. Sure it does. I'm, they are, but they're all changed. They are all alive, but you genuinely get the sense that it is not what it used to be. And that is, that's different. I feel like... Well, that's why episode seven is so important, because we see that it's not over. No, it's not. But what I'm saying is if you end it, and I'm sure that may have been part of Patrick's point, if you end it at six, you, there's nothing to be sad about. All of your characters, from what you know, the knowledge you have, everyone is happy and everything is going to be better now. Yeah, we're thrilled. The terrorists won. Ugh. Joel. <laughs> Joel? <laughs> Going back to my, I think my very first, maybe first or second time joining you guys, movies are meant to entertain, and this is the most entertaining one out of all of them. And so I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's what a movie should be. Yeah. yeah. You can look at cohesion, continuity. It's, you're going to be able to find it in any movie. And I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's okay. Come out, fix some of those things. But as far as what I thought of after watching the movie, it was as entertaining as I remember it, and I enjoyed it as much as I did when I was a little kid. Yeah. Uh, audience for the movie, who is it? Everybody. Everybody. Everyone. I mean, every, kids every, and people every, who like happy endings. Everybody that likes Star Wars. You can't start Star Wars with this. So th- when I say everybody, everybody that has an interest in Star Wars and wants to know what it's about, you have to see this movie. Right. But I also think that you can't see this movie without watching the other two. Yeah, I no. completely It's not agree. a standalone. Okay, movie report card, JC. B+. Plus. I, I really, really wanted to give this an A, because yeah. looking back as a kid, I really wanted to give it an A. Mm-hmm. But the continuity errors are so abundant, yeah. and even just the way it was shot, and the even the remakes and all that. So normally I would only take that and knock it down one, so it would be an A-, but there's so fucking many of them yeah. that I had to knock it down to a B+. Plus. 
Joel? I can't remember what I gave Empire, so I'm going to give you a half a grade above that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess A minus. Okay. I can't say it's any less than any of the others because I enjoy watching it more. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd well, say that's A minus. If you enjoy watching that, plays a big part in it. Yeah. Uh, I do love watching this movie. And I'm going to give it a C plus. Of course. Uh, not because I'm a hater. I didn't say you were. I just said, of course. I I said from the very beginning of this entire series of movies that we were doing that I was going to look at it from a one through six point of view. And knowing that this is a six-film saga of Anakin Skywalker's rise, fall, and redemption, I think it's a great story. However, there is a lot of fluff and ultimately useless stuff in this film that, when when removed, doesn't affect the stakes nor the outcome at the end. So then let's remove the pod race. We don't need the pod race. It's a little bit above average as a science fantasy film. Not as good as Empire, and not as average as Episode Four or Attack of the Clones. So it's a C plus. Yeah. So I mean, I understand your point, but yeah. I don't agree with it. Well, that's okay. It is. Yeah, I don't agree with your points. <laughs> but we all like but sour you love cream my, and onion Pringles. But you love my rounded corners. No, I don't. They're pokey. No, no they're rounded corners. They're still pokey. Well, I thought you liked it when I poke you. Joke. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's all I got time for today, Movie Planeteers. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to pass the word on to your friends about the show. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify, and help the show get on its feet with a four- or five-star review. Tweet with any questions, comments, theories, and I'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to at movieplanetpod and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. Special thanks to Twisterium and Sound J Music for providing our intro music and our ending music. Thanks for listening, and happy movie watching. <laughs>